0: Tremendous truths, tremendous truths from Judas. For several weeks now, we've been learning about the events that happened before Jesus was crucified on what we call Good Friday, and then resurrected on Easter Sunday. And we have studied several very important passages, and now today we come to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26 and 27 where we discover some very, very important truths from Judas. In Matthew 26, verse 14 to 16, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him thirty pieces of silver... From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now we're going to continue to follow the story of Judas as we proceed through this message. But let us pray. Oh dear God, we just pray and ask that you by your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts and lives as we reflect upon some of what happened with Judas In that very critical time in history and in the life of Jesus. Oh God, may you open up our minds and hearts to truth that you want us to know, to feel, to experience, and to act upon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My friends, as I begin to read the scripture where we just started to read... I have to say that the first truth that comes to my mind is this, be faithful. Be faithful. This truth comes from the very verses that we just read. Judas Iscariot is proving himself to be anything but faithful to Jesus. He asks the question, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you. How much will you pay me? What a haunting question. Why did Jesus betray? Why did did Judas betray Jesus? We'll never know the full answer, but Judas, like the other disciples, had expected Jesus to start a political rebellion to overthrow the Roman government which ruled Israel in that first century. Judas was treasurer of the twelve disciples and he probably assumed, as did the other disciples, that he would be given an important position in Jesus' new government when that would happen. A little before Judas betrayed Jesus, however, Judas saw Jesus praise Mary for pouring out perfume on him worth a year's salary, and you can read about it in just the paragraph before. And by then, by then, Judas may have realized that Jesus' kingdom was not physical or political, but spiritual. All of a sudden, he possibly realized that all of a sudden, hey, this one that I'm following, this one who has performed all these incredible miracles, raised people from the dead, um, he's not going to be doing what I was hoping he would do. And Judas's greedy desire for money and status could not materialize if he continued to follow Jesus, and so he betrayed Jesus in exchange for money, for financial gain. Look again at verse 14. Look again. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples. Anytime I read that phrase, Judas, one of the 12, it really, it really bothers me. It really bothers me because as one of the 12 who had the special privilege of being extra close to Jesus, Judas, Judas should have been extra faithful, right? He should have been extra faithful to the Lord, but he wasn't. And that's heartbreaking. At least it is for me. And it causes me to ask the question, what about you and and me, Are you and I totally faithful to Jesus? And this this scripture and encounter with Judas causes me to say, be, be totally faithful to Jesus. Amen? Last Sunday, our associate minister, Pastor Lisa Autar, preached a tremendous, wonderful message challenging us to be totally faithful, loyal, loyal, committed to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, are we? Am I? In the Bible, in uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, the Christians in the city of Ephesus are addressed as Faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Faithful followers. Isn't that how you and I want to be known as well? Faithful followers of Jesus. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Jesus in that case is speaking to Christians in another city, the city of Laodicea of their time, the first century. And Jesus says this, Jesus says, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. I wish you were hot or cold, he says. But since you are lukewarm, since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Wow. My friend, the time has come for you to to no longer be lukewarm or wishy-washy in your devotion to Jesus. The time has come for each one of us to say, Jesus, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Amen. Amen. While we're on this subject of being faithful, we also need to examine ourselves as to whether or not we're being faithful in some other areas of life. I can't cover all areas of life because that would take too long. But here's something else for us to think about. Be faithful in your volunteer ministry to the Lord. In the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, it says, as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work. We think of your faithful work. Now in that Bible verse, the Apostle Paul is talking about their faithfulness in carrying out their volunteer ministries, their volunteer responsibilities in their congregation. As I think of that scripture, I, I want to commend you. I want to commend and I want to praise God for the many, for the many of you here at Rosewood Church. I want to commend the many of you who are diligent, faithful about carrying out your volunteer ministry, whether it's sunny or raining or snowing, whether it's hot or cold or what, what, whatever. There are a lot of people in this congregation who are more dependable in, in carrying out their volunteer work than some people are in carrying out their secular jobs where they get paid. And I want to sincerely congratulate you. At the same time, most of you who know me know that I speak the truth. And so at the same time, I have to be honest, however, and also say, my dear friends, my dear friends, there are too many times and there are too many people in our church And in other churches who take on a volunteer ministry but seem to do things primarily when it's convenient for them. When it's convenient. Too often some people carry out their commitments just when it's convenient. And that's not acceptable. That does not honor the Lord. Amen? There's a greater need for greater dependability, greater reliability. Let me ask us this. How would you you like it if if your car, how would you like it if your car says to itself, oh, oh, I I, I don't like the weather today. It's not convenient. I, I don't think I'll let the engine start. If that happened, you would end up saying, that car is unreliable. How would you like it? How would you like it if you go to use your phone and your phone says to itself, ah, oh, I don't feel like putting this call through. It's not convenient. He or she has already been on the phone too much, so I won't put this call through. You're going to say that, that, that phone is unreliable. I think I'll give it to Pastor Nick. <laughs> or suppose, suppose you intend to cook up You intend to cook up some nice jerk chicken or jerk pork, rice and peas, some roti, and some sauce. (laughs) You go to turn on your stove, but the stove, the stove says to itself, oh, oh, it's it's not convenient, it's not convenient for me to work now. You're going to say that stove is unreliable. Be gone with your stove, unless you smarten up. My friends, the bottom line is, the bottom line is we need to raise raise the level of reliability. We cannot be we cannot be convenience Christians. We have to be committed Christians. Amen. There's some folks clapping back there. It's okay to clap. Amen. All right, we've talked about the need To be faithful to Jesus, to be faithful to our volunteer ministry to the Lord. Before I move on to another truth from Judas, uh, we, we need to also say this. For those of you making notes, it's point C. Be faithful to your husband or wife. In the Bible, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says this. Let's read it together from the big screen. All right, together in unison. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Be faithful to one another. Judas obviously betrayed Jesus. And the question can be asked, are you in any way betraying your wife or husband? If so, make a decision today to correct your ways, to seek forgiveness from God and to seek forgiveness from your spouse for whatever betrayal it might be. As Hebrews 13:4 says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Amen the grass is not greener on the other side it just looks that way sometimes let me take you to a second very important truth that we uncover from judas's experiences it is this second truth is value your relationships more than riches this truth came to my mind obviously from Matthew 26, verses 14 and 15, once again, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? What does this tell us? It tells us Judas valued riches more than relationship with Jesus. Amen? Judas was willing to tell the authorities where they could arrest Jesus. They were concerned about causing a riot because there were so many people believing in him, so many people following Jesus. But uh, so they were wanting to arrest Jesus at some point where there would not be a riot in the city. And so Judas, Judas says, how much will you give me? And he sold him out for 30 pieces of of silver. Now, some of you are probably wondering how much 30 pieces of silver would, have, would be in, in today's money. Well, if you were to read up on it in some of the commentary books, or if you were to Google it on your computer or your phone or whatever uh, device you might have, as I did, I Googled it as well, by the way, Thought some of you would be blessed by that. Okay, if you if you Googled it, you would find a variety of answers because it is very difficult to know how much one piece of silver in the first century would actually be equivalent to at the present time. Nevertheless, after I considered everything that I read, I I felt very comfortable with the research of a particular scholar who says, who says that he estimates that 30 pieces of silver would have taken nearly six months would have taken nearly six months to earn for the average person in that first century. That means Judas was paid quite a lot. Doesn't it? However amount it might be in today's money, the bottom line is he was given quite a lot of money, it's also a reminder to us to not allow the temptation of money to do what's wrong, right? And sadly, it seems, it seems like Judas valued riches more than his relationship with Jesus. Now here are some of the ways in which this truth might further impact your life and mine. Here's one way. Be careful to not earn money at the expense of it hurting your relationship with Jesus. With some people, the richer they get, the more they forget the Lord. I've seen that across the years. It's just interesting. Dear God, help me, with, help me earn more. Help me get more money. Help me, Lord, help me. And as it happens, they forget more and more about the one that were, they were praying to to meet their needs. So be careful in that respect. Also, be careful, be careful to not, to not get so busy with earning more and more money that you do not have time to spend with your family. Amen? Amen? There needs to be a balance for you, for me, for all of us. And the bottom line is, the bottom line is, value your relationships more than your riches. A person who is rich in having many good relationships is more fulfilled than a person who is rich financially. Amen? Now what happened with Judas is continued in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26 at verse 47, all right? So let's look at verse 47 and beyond there. Here's what it says to verse 56. We pick up here after Jesus and the disciples were praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and verse 47 says, and even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend... Go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, sloshing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. By the way, in one of the other Gospels, it tells us how Jesus picked up the cut-off ear and, and, and attached it and healed it up for him. Verse 52, put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets, the prophets as recorded in scriptures. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Wow. As I think of what we just read, my friends, the next truth that just really hit me hard was this. The third truth is decide which word or which words will describe your life. Judas is described as how? The traitor. The traitor. Look at verse 48. Here it is. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged arranged Signal. Most of you know the definition of a traitor is a person who betrays a friend, a country, or a principle. And sadly, that is how Judas came to be known. Traitor. I thought about, I thought, I thought about that word. For some reason, as I was preparing for this message, that 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 word, that word just really hit me. Mr. McLeod. It just kind of, I don't know, it, I, I don't recall it hit me so hard on previous occasions. But By the way, I did not refer to any of my files from previous years where maybe I brought a message from Judas. I just approached the scripture saying, Lord, what are the truths? What are the truths you want to impact me with and impact our church family with this year? But I, I, I just... I just paused when I read verse 48, the traitor Judas. And I thought, what a terrible way to be described. What a, what a, what a word to be connected to. And that is how Judas came to be known. The question, how are you? How am I known? How are we known? This past Thursday this past Thursday, February 25th, would have been Aunt Ruth Jennings' 89th birthday. Many of you here know that Aunt Ruth went to be with the Lord just over four years ago. And because Thursday, the 25th of February, was her birthday, I just had this desire to go to her cemetery where she is buried and just spend some moments at her graveside to just pray and thank the Lord for Aunt Ruth, for all that she meant to my wife and I and to our son and our daughter, our family, and all that she meant to our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family, and uh, as I stood by her grave, as I stood by her grave, I looked at the plaque, and I saw the words. I, I knew they were there because I, I was the one, I was the, the one that decided what would be put on the plaque just about four years ago. So I knew, I knew, I knew essentially what was on there, but I, I looked at the plaque And I read the words, Ruth Jennings, servant of Jesus Christ, servant of Jesus Christ. And I thought, yeah, that was Aunt Ruth. And those of you here, many of you, hundreds of you who knew her, would say, yeah. Yes, indeed, that was. Aunt Ruth, servant of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage all of us to decide what, what word or what words will describe your life. Live that kind of life. Amen? Live that kind of life. Whatever you choose it to be. Let me take you to a fourth truth that always hits me hard. And the fourth truth is this Be careful to not use something which is good for evil. This truth comes to my mind out of verses 48 and 49 because. It says, the traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. And gave him the kiss. Obviously, obviously, a kiss is normally intended to show friendship and love. A kiss is what? A kiss is supposed to be something good. Right? Come on now, you're with me, right? Obviously a kiss is supposed to be something good. In this case, however, the kiss of of Judas identified Jesus as the one who was to be arrested and mistreated and ultimately crucified. Judas used a kiss something which is good for evil. My friends, you and I have to learn from this. For example, you and I have a tongue and the ability to speak. We can use our tongue for something good, to be a great blessing and encouragement to each other, or the tongue can be used the tongue can be used to gossip and to be hurtful. In the book of James chapter 3 verse 6 says, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole, it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. So the question is, are you using, are you using your tongue for good or evil? Many of you have computers and iPads and phones and other electronic devices that I, that I believe were invented to be used for good. Yet we constantly hear of how people are severely bullied on social media. We hear, we hear of how children and youth are deceived and dragged into various kinds of pornography and, and, and wrongful acts. And I just want to say, whatever electronic devices you use, be careful to not use something which was intended for good. Do not use it for evil. Amen? And parents, parents, check on your children and youth to make sure that someone, someone isn't dragging them into evil through the instruments that were intended for good. Here's a fifth beautiful truth, and it is this. Respond to people with love, even when they do you wrong. You can see this in verses 49 and 50. Verse 49, Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Watch this, verse 50. Jesus said, my friend... Go ahead and do what you have come for. I am always blown away by Jesus' response. Jesus sees what Judas is, is doing, and I would have thought, you would have thought that, that, that Jesus might have said to him, you lousy, unfaithful, terrible person. You no good for anything, Judas. You come to give me a kiss to be arrested. Instead, what does Jesus say to him? Jesus said, my friend, my friend, there's so much more truth from Judas, I want to encourage you this week to further read Matthew 27, 1 through the end there. But my friends, I want to invite us to at least get a hold of these five truths that I've shared with you and act upon them It is no good for you, for me, for any of us to hear messages, whether it's here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene or on the radio or on the television or through the internet. It's no good for us to just hear them and let them go in one ear and out the other. We have to act upon them. Be faithful. Be faithful to Jesus. Are you faithful? Musicians, would you come As we sing this this beautiful song, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you today to step forward, find a place of prayer, kneeling or standing at this altar, and, and say, Lord, from this day, I make this choice, I make this decision to be faithful, faithful to you. Amen? Someone today maybe needs to say, I have to make this choice to value To value my relationships more, more than money, more than riches. Someone else needs to decide which word or which words are going to describe your life in the long run, in the long term. And someone else needs to make the decision to use that which was intended for good, to use it for good and not for evil. And some others are going to say, Lord, on this day, I choose to respond with love to people even even when I am done wrong. But you've got to make that choice. You've got to make that decision. You have to tell yourself Sometimes I tell myself how to respond. I don't always feel like responding in in pleasant way. Sometimes I say, you know what? Here's the Jesus way of responding.